So it's pretty awesome. Okay, James chapter 1. Are you there in your Bible? James chapter 1. I'm going to jump in for the sake of time. And don't, don't go too far now because I'm going to need you at the end. Because when I start really yelling, me and you going to be bad together. Okay, let's clap for the keyboard player. Come on, this guy. It's one of my favorite ones right there. Okay, go to James chapter 1, verse 2. Um, I'm going to kind of do my best because uh, I really do feel like this is going to be, uh, maybe you won't be encouraged for a lot of the message, but in the end, we'll smile. Um, but, but I want to give you some context. This is the book of James. Now, we don't know exactly who wrote the book of James, but we're pretty convinced that it was Jesus' brother, James. We, we're, we think it was him. And some people have had um, an issue, a beef with the book of James because they think it contradicts like the writings of the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul the Apostle, as many of you know, or if you're new to church, you don't know, Paul in the New Testament gives us much of our belief about who Jesus is and who God is. Paul wrote to a specific crowd. His audience that he wrote to had been steeped in religion, had been steeped in the law, and wanted to work and earn their way in to being good with God. Paul comes in and says, nah, fam, it's not going to roll like that no more. All you have to do is believe in Jesus, have faith in Jesus. You are saved, and you are righteous, and you are good. Is there anybody thankful tonight that it is by Jesus, it is by his sacrifice, it is by his work, not ours? Oh, you ought to clap tonight like you really love Jesus. Anybody thankful tonight for the finished work of the cross? So Paul comes in and he's like, guys, no more striving, no more earning, no more working. Says things like this in Ephesians 2, 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own works, it's the gift of God. So he's like, guys, stop all the striving, stop all the working, put your trust, your confidence, your hope, you can't save yourself, it's all Jesus. James comes in and he is talking to a completely different crowd. The crowd he's writing to in our modern era, we could say, would be like a Sunday church crowd. I go to church on Sunday, but I don't have a clue or a desire to apply anything on Monday. So I love showing up on Sunday, bless me, heal me, promote me, love me, Jesus. But on Monday, I'm going to do whatever I want to. James comes in again and says, nah, fam, it's not going to be like that. He says things like, faith without works, lifestyle, is dead. James has a righteous indignation towards people that only want fire insurance. Come on, y'all, that's funny. You got to just laugh a little bit. We in church, because you knew what I, okay, so... James has an issue with people that just only want to have faith but not apply. There is a disconnect between their belief structure and their lifestyle. He's saying, no, no, no. Jesus cares about your character. Jesus cares about your conduct. Jesus cares about your Tuesday. Jesus is concerned with your thought life. He's concerned with your purity. He's concerned with your finances. In fact, the heart of James is to grow a mature believer. There is nothing about God that wants to stay, keep you immature. I've got a five-year-old and a three-year-old, and right now we are working on things like sharing. 
We are, we are working on things like saying please and thank you. I'm training them to know their father is better than their mother. <laughs> Maturing them in faith. And so, it's not working. But um, God, God has this tendency of, of maturing, maturing you and I, not because he's upset with you, but because he's obsessed with you. God, God sees where he's taking you. He knows what's in front of you. And so, because of the deficiencies in your life, and in your character, he chooses to raise you up. He chooses to mature you and develop you, not again because he's mad, but because he sees a better tomorrow. He sees a greater future. He sees the horizon that's coming. And I love the way Christine Kane says it. She says, if the light that is on you shines brighter than the light that is in you, the light that is on you would destroy you. Some of you are like, huh? God, in other words, God wants to build your inside and build the core of who you are so you can handle the blessing he's about to give you. Amen to that? So watch how James starts the whole chapter. Look at this in verse 2. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. I wish our L.A. Rams football coach would have asked God for some. Anyways, okay, then it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not to expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Get down to verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, it gives birth to death. I want to preach a message tonight. You can write down the title. It's called Tested, Tempted, and Turned Around. Tested, tempted, and turned around. And that's really what James is going to talk about at the end of this chapter is being turned around. So when you and I turn around from church tonight and we leave this meeting and we learn, leave the word of God, we know how to handle the tests and the temptations that come our way. Somebody say amen. amen. I want to tell you, God is testing you. And he tests you because he loves you. He's trying to develop you. Temptation, we're going to talk about that source. But whether you're facing tests or temptation, we know that God is good. Somebody say amen. If you feel like God is good, let's just clap and get loud right now for a second. A little bit louder. Yeah, I like it. I heard somebody say, a quiet church is a dead church. So we're not, if you're looking for the quiet church, this is not the church to come to. We got great worship and great preachers. Amen. Do you love your pastors tonight? Let's clap for them one more time and thank God for these guys. We love you so much. Unbelievable. Thank God for both of you. And let's pray. Let's pray over this church and let's pray over this message. God, we thank you for this house. We bless it. We call it resourced. We thank you that it's going from glory to glory and strength to strength. 
We thank you that you said, Jesus, that you will build your church. Thank you, Jesus, that this church belongs to you and you're the one that's building it. We speak grace and that favor over this house. We thank you, Lord, that we would have a grace on us to do a miracle work, a work that nobody would even believe or dare to imagine. I speak Ephesians chapter three, verse 20 over this house. May it rise with great strength. We thank you, Lord, that your glory resides in this house. Thank you for the word tonight. Let it fall on good soil. We thank you that we will not let the enemy steal the word that you're imparting into our lives today. We thank you that you are good, you are gracious, you are kind, and you are loving. And I thank you that by the end of tomorrow, Anthony Davis will become a lady in Jesus name and everybody said together just help your boy out and clap like you mean it just I know you don't but just clap indulge me indulge me don't boo me just indulge me write down number one I'm gonna jump right in don't return the gift you've been given don't return the gift I kept thinking all Christmas day I kept thinking what would it be like to work at Zara tomorrow I don't know if y'all have a Zara in this era, area, but Zara, you know, you know, we got so many Zara Christmas presents in my family, and I kept thinking the whole night, what would it be like? Could you imagine working at Macy's the day after Christmas or Zara? It's just like the lines, everyone wants to return. The hoodie doesn't fit. The socks don't match. I'm in the return. Could you imagine being an employee and the line is, my wife had the audacity the day after Christmas to ask, sweetie, can we go to Zara, there's a bunch of things I want to return. I said, you are banned from Zara for two months. You may, you may step foot March 1st, but not till then, because I know the return. And, and, and what the Bible's saying is, God has given you the gift of a test. Don't return it. Look, look, look how the message translation puts it. Put it up on the screen. James 1, 2, and 4. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenge come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try and get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. We live in a deficient society. People are sleep deprived. People are dehydrated. My sister went to the doctor uh, recently and, and she came back and she said, um, they, they told me I am iron deficient. I was like, dang, this sounds serious. <laughs> so what does that mean? And so she took her finger and she went right here and, 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 and she just like drew like a pencil. And, and as she went like this with her finger, you could see it was like a pencil mark through her arm. And, and she goes, look, it's because I'm iron deficient. And I was like, okay, Dad, are you going to live? <laughs> She's like, yeah, but it's pretty cool, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm confused now. <laughs> so iron deficient just means you can draw a pencil on your arm. It's weird. We live in a deficient society and God knows your deficiencies. God knows your weaknesses. And so God says, I cannot train you when you are on the mountaintop of success. When you are on the mountaintop of success and you are walking around like cock-a-doodle-doo, I thought you knew. I'm the man. I got it good. I, my finances are in order. My, God doesn't train you on the mountaintop of success. He trains you in the valley of despair. So God says, we're going to need some tears. 
tears. We're going to need some heartache. We're going to need some late nights. We're going to need some situations that cause you to press into my word and listen to my voice. So God says, it's going to come at you always. It's like in that saying in life, when it rains, it what? You ever wonder why when life gets hard, it gets harder? It's like, God, this is the year. I don't want to focus on all of these things in my life. I just, can we just make it patience year? What, what about compassion year? Or generosity year? Kindness. God's like, no, we're going we're gonna to focus on all of them. I'm like, you're a good, good father. It's who you are, kind of sometimes. He says, consider it a sheer gift. Don't return the gift. I've given you a gift of pain. I've given you a gift of perseverance. I've given you a gift of struggle. And it actually is not only going to reveal the true colors of your faith and show your friends and your family and your coworkers and yourself your true colors. I'm going to develop the deficiencies. I'm going to develop the weaknesses because where I'm taking you and what I've got planned for you, if you arrive there and you're not ready, this thing will kick your tail. So I've got to raise you up and train you up. Here's a, here's a gift. So what did God get you for Christmas? Heartache. My kids left the faith and my marriage is on the rocks and it's just like, ah, my patience is being tested. It's so fun. Being a Christian is fun. And God says, consider it. Don't, don't. Many of us, what happens is God tests us and we return, no, I'm good. Thanks, God. And so what ended up, ha this is so sad. What ends up happening is because you keep returning the test that God, the gift that God has given you, you end up facing the same exact test over and over and over. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when you face uh, trials and tribulations and you're crying and your heart is broken in two and God's raising you up because we know the testing of our faith produces something. I cannot get this kind of production. I cannot get this kind of growth when I'm killing it and doing great and everything's fine. I only get this kind of production when I'm on my knees, my tears are crying, I feel my heartache, I'm clinging onto the cross. Come on, somebody thank God that God loves you enough to test your faith. God said, don't bail out. Let me develop you. How many of y'all remember the movie Karate Kid? Oh, come on, wax on, wax off. Remember Mr. Miyagi and little Daniel boy, Daniel son? And, and the little guy, he's like, I want to be a karate guy. Mr. Miyagi said, great, we're going to wash cars <laughs> and paint fences. And this guy's like, what in the world am I doing? Mr. Miyagi knew in order for you to be ready for the moment, in order for you to be prepared for the battle, in order for you not to buckle for when I put that spotlight on you, I've got to train you and raise you. So here's a gift of fence. Here's a gift of washing cars. Here's a testing of faith because I'm developing the deficiencies that lack in your character right now because I'm taking you somewhere. I've got a plan. Somebody thank God right now that his word says, for I know the plan that I have for you, declares the Lord. What kind of plans does he have? To prosper us. Consider it a sheer gift. Um, consider it a, just, whoa, what a blessing. And, and it, don't return the gift. I wonder, so many of us, we get a package from God 
and it is not what we had asked for. It is not what we expected. This does not fit my lifestyle. And so, no, Lord, you can have that back. And God is saying, no, I'm gonna expose the true colors of your faith. But more than that, it's not to expose you. It's to develop what's lacking in you. It's things like this that everybody's like, James is mean. I really like Paul. <laughs> Paul's awesome. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourself. It's the gift of God. Everybody's like, Paul's awesome. James has sibling rivalry. <laughs> James is just frustrated with a crowd that refuses to receive the tests that God gives their life. God loves you. He's testing you. He's testing your response. He's testing your character. He's testing your leaning. He's, he's testing your trust. So he goes, don't get out of it too prematurely. <laughs> I have skipped so many tests in my faith. How about you? And the only problem with it, you can run, but then you face the same one again. And I like how he continues, because he goes, and so, and God's going to test you, so ask God for wisdom. Get right down number two. All you had to do was ask. That's all you had to do. So James is like, God's going to test you, but guess what? He's not the God that just tests. He's the God of wisdom. So if you need wisdom on finance, you need wisdom on relationship, you need wisdom on parenting, you need wisdom on your business, just ask God. God gives wisdom. What is the definition of wisdom? Wisdom is skillful living. God wants to give you the ability to have skillful knowledge and insight on budgeting, skills on parenting, skills on your marriage, skills on community development. God wants to give us what is wisdom in the Old Testament. It is trust. Trusting in and fear of God. So with a trust in God and a fear of God, I get skills from God on how to operate and live my life. If I don't get God's wisdom, I will operate in foolishness. You ever seen a fool? Do not point at them in the church service. Somebody in the back was like. So he says, if you lack Wisdom, ask God. Watch how he says it here. Put it up on the screen. I love this. In the message still. If you don't know what you're doing, raise your hand if you don't know what you're doing. That's the hashtag all of us. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help and won't be con uh, condescended to when you ask for it. Ask boldly, believing without a second thought. People who worry their prayers are like wind-whipped waves. Don't think you're going to get anything from the master that way. Adrift at sea, keeping all your options open. Did you see what the Bible just said? He said, when you ask God for wisdom, he will not look at you condescendingly. You ever be at a restaurant with your spouse or your boo? This is for single people. And you, you both order something, and you ask your significant other, can I just try a bite? And you get looked at like, are you crazy right now? When you're dating, that, that, that's totally inbounds. As soon as you get married, it's like, no, you ordered your food, I ordered my food, we're good. <laughs> when you ask God for, some of you are like, that's too real, it's too, it hit too close to home. 
When you ask God for wisdom, he doesn't look at you condescendingly. He doesn't look at you like you are, are, are you for real? You need help, you don't know what my word says, you don't know how to handle, you don't know what I have to say on this subject. God doesn't look at you condescendingly, he looks at you as someone that loves to help. I wonder if you get a picture of God this year in your life, God just on the side, just going like, put me in, I wanna help. I wanna help, oh gosh, I have so much to say. I want to help, oh, I want to help in every area. Let me just, uh, I can, just like an organ, it's so fun. This, the, over Christmas break, we moved into our new house. My wife and I, in the fall time, we bought a, a house and we remodeled it. We stripped it down to the studs and we remodeled the whole thing. And over Christmas break, between Christmas and New Year's, we got the keys and we got to move into our new house. We were so thrilled. So I did what every good pastor would do. I called all the security team to come help me move. Okay. I don't need the hosts. I don't need the kids workers. I don't need anybody that works with coffee. I need the security team up in that mug. So anybody that was large and in charge in our church, I called him up. Well, one of the guys that works security at our church is a guy named Heath Evans. Heath Evans uh, played in the NFL for a long time. He won a Super Bowl with the Patriots. We hate the Patriots. We love Heath. He's awesome. So, so Heath comes rocking up to my house. Heath comes up the driveway, and he's, I think he's fresh out the gym, just left the gym, and he's mammoth. And so he comes up the hill, and he's like, <laughs> he's just intense guy. He's like, what do you need? Put me in. Put me in. What do you want, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, I'm, I'm really intimidated. I'm like, uh. And he's, he's like, what, what do you got? What's, what's, first project, what is it? And, and I'm like, um, bedroom, bed. He's like, good, got it. Boom, just he's vanished, he's gone, 30 minutes. I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought he was gonna tackle me, I was so afraid. 30 minutes later, this guy comes back, he's like, done, bed, what's up now? I'm like, Keith, we're not doing drills right now. This is, I'm not, I'm not a coach, I'm not a coach, I just, this is my house. But I'm like, patio, furniture, he's like, done, just runs off. I'm just like, we gotta get this guy out of here quick because I think he's gonna hit somebody. Like, if he, if he goes to pound, he's gonna break me as a human, I'll, I'll break. I just, I wonder if you could get a picture of God this year just being like, put me in. I want to help. I want to advise. I want to strengthen. I want to give you wisdom. I know what I'm doing. You don't always. I know where this thing is going. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. There are so many categories of my life that I need wisdom on. How about you? If you don't know what you're doing, stop going to Barnes and Nobles to find out. Stop going to social media. Go to God to find out. God, what, what do you want me to say? God, what do you want me to give? God, what do you want me to, 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 to have come out of this situation? How do you, God, I noticed that you, in this situation, you handled it this way, and in another situation, you asked that, you, you did that thing, but God, for me, what do you want me to do? I believe that God does not look at you like, are you crazy? You want a piece of my wisdom? God says, I, I've, I've been wanting to help you. I've been wanting to lean in and speak. Remember, God is always wanting to speak. You just need to have strength to hear his voice. So it takes faith to say, Lord, I believe you're gonna give me wisdom. What does Solomon say? I don't want, I don't want riches. I don't need fame, Lord, I need wisdom. I, I hope over your life you are marked as a wise person. That people get around you and they go, I don't know what it is about them. They're wise. 
lest you be marked as a fool. You don't want anybody coming around you going like, that, that man talks like a fool. They, they act like a fool. Their finances are foolish. You want to know why this church has a great reputation and has longevity of ministry? Is because it has been led by the wisdom of God. The wisdom and the counsel of God has been in this house and will continue to be in this house. Come on, let's clap right now and thank Lord. All you had to do was ask. You might feel... You might feel tested over your head. You might feel tested like this test is too big. This feels like, y'all remember when you first stepped into algebra? And then you went to the counselor's office, you're like, I need to get out of the class. This is for somebody else, not me. You might feel like the test is too big. God is bigger, and God can give you wisdom, amen? So I love James. James goes, hey, let's just get one thing straight. Tests are from God, and God loves you so much, he's taking you somewhere. So he'll give you a test, but just so you know, he will also give you wisdom on how to handle, and he'll speak into the situation. Then he, then he pivots, and he's like, but let's, be, let's get one thing clear. Temptation is from you. Because <laughs> we want everybody to be like, the devil's trying to tempt us. James is hardcore. He's like, you're the problem, not the devil. Watch what he says. Put it up on the screen. James chapter 1. I, I love James so much. James 1.13. When you are tempted, don't ever say God is tempting me. For God is incapable of being tempted by evil. And he is never the source of temptation. Instead, it is each person's own desires and thoughts that drag them into evil and lure them away into darkness. Evil desires give birth to evil actions. And when sin is fully mature, it can Oh, I don't want to use this word in church, but let's just read the Bible. Murder you. So my friends, don't be fooled by your own desires. So James is like, hey, just a heads up. Tests are from God. He gives them to you. Temptation is from you. You were born into sin. You have the propensity to sin. You're always going to sin. So let's just be on the same page. Evil thoughts give birth to evil actions. And evil actions give birth to sin. And when sin gets grown up, it becomes a murderer in your home. Nobody wants to give birth to a murderer, but when you get let sin live in your life, what he's saying is, listen, that decision could have happened two years ago or five years ago, but when this bad boy grows up, he will murder your destiny, he will murder your marriage, he will murder your mind, he will murder your future. He's like, let's cut it off at evil desire. Come on, somebody clap and thank God that James has enough backbone to get down to the root of the issue and say, stop trying to, stop trying to say God's doing stuff to you that you're doing it to yourself. We want to shift blame. We want to say God is God's really just, he's seeing, he's seeing how I can handle the situation. No, come on. Stop, stop blaming God for stuff that's just lurking inside of you. He says, evil thoughts give birth to evil actions, and evil actions give birth to sin. And when sin grows up and it's not dealt with, it becomes a murderer. And so you look back and you go, I was at home and it was late. And I started thinking, is McDonald's open? You know, I was like, I, I, I could really enjoy fries and a McFlurry. And then the evil action, I got in the car and went to the drive-thru. 
And you fill in the blank for what it is for you, but James is doing a great job about identifying the difference between a test that comes from God and a temptation that is within you. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but I'm bringing good news to you tonight when it comes to temptation, because my Bible says when you are facing temptation, you are facing the same temptations that all of us are facing. And the Bible says God is faithful, who will never allow the temptation to become more than you can bear, but will always provide a way of escape. Let's just go there to the Word. Put it up there, 1 Corinthians. I love this scripture. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful. Somebody say, God is faithful. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to handle, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So what, what the Bible's saying is we are all facing the same temptation. Nobody can sit here tonight in the church and be like, dang, they are really nasty. They are really messed up. Because what they want to do, my sin's not that bad, but their sin is really bad. No, 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 we are all bad. Somebody say amen. We are all sinners saved by grace. We all have evil propensities and evil desires, okay? So, but no temptation is overtaking you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful. He will never let the temptation, you can never be in the midst of temptation and be like, God, it's too much. I can't handle it. I got to give in. God will never allow it to be that way. He always provides a way of escape. God has the door open, the car fired up. When you are in the midst of temptation, he is saying, come on, let's go. The car's ready. Let's get out of here. The door's open. Let's go. My wife and I have a code word for when we get into social settings, when we get to parties. You ever been to a party and you got stuck with a close talker? Let me see your hand. You ever get stuck with a close talker? Close talkers don't care. You scoot up. The more you scoot back, the more they scoot with you. It's almost like dancing with them. Like you have no social IQ. You do not sense I'm really trying to get away from you. So if we ever get to a social situation where I want to get out of the situation and my wife is somewhere in the party, I have the right anywhere we go if I just yell out, Dennis Rodman! That is code to my wife. We have to leave right now. We got to go right now. We got to just be talking to a nice gentleman. He's awesome. Excuse me, sir. Dennis Rodman! <laughs> what, what were you saying? Sorry, missed that. And that is my wife has to come get me. Excuse me, sir, and we are out of here. I wanted the next time you face a temptation, you might just in your head say, Dennis Rodman or Jesus Christ, get me out of this situation. I need your help. I got to get in the car. I got to get out. Come on, somebody praise God right now. Tests are from God. Temptations are from us. But God is faithful in both situations. Oh, I love that about God. I love that even Jesus faced temptation. The Bible says in Hebrews that he sympathizes with our weaknesses. He knows what it means to be tempted. He was tempted by Satan, but he stood on the word of God and quoted the scriptures every single time. The next time you're tempted, just know that God has the car fired up. The door is open. He's standing in the corner. Dennis Rodman over here. Okay, maybe God doesn't say Dennis Rodman, but... So uh, I say all this saying, keyboard player, come back, because I love this last part. So he's talking about tests. Tests are from God. God tests us. Don't worry. If, if, you, if, if you're in a test or you're in a temptation, you can, you can turn to God either time. 
If you're in a test, you need wisdom, the wisdom of God. If you're in a temptation, you need the deliverance of God. God is faithful in tests. He's faithful in temptations. And then he gets down to the core issue, and he says that you and I, the only way we can get through tests and the only way we can get through temptations is by looking into the power of the Word of God and the mirror of the Word of God that tells us who we really are. He says the only way you can do this is, is by continually looking into the power of the Word of God. The Word of God is the mirror. The mirror that tells us I am called, I am chosen, I am forgiven, I am loved, I am the head, I'm not the tail, I'm the righteousness of God, I'm the light of the world, I'm the salt of the earth, I'm a chosen child. Come on, somebody thank God that I can look into the Bible and the Bible tells me who I am. Come on, you can clap right now and thank Jesus. James says the only way we can make it is by continually looking into the power of God's word. And when we look in the mirror, we can turn around and we can go to our businesses, our homes, our families, our relationships. And that mirror gives us the power to go out, whether I'm in a test or a temptation, I know who I am. You ever look in the mirror and check yourself out before you leave? And then you leave, you bounce out, and, and, and like just a couple minutes later, you forget what you look like, so you come back, you come rushing back, and you're like, okay, sorry, I just, I, I forgot. And you're like, okay, you got this. Watch here what the Bible says, keyboard player, come on, make me sound good, bro. So this is why we abandon everything morally impure in all forms of wicked conduct. Instead, with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word, which has been implanted within our nature for the word of life has power to continually deliver us. Let me just read three, three last verses. In fact, you, why don't you stand to your feet? Because he's getting down to the solution. If you listen to the word, and don't live out the message you hear. Again, James is like, guys, let's stop going to church on Sunday and do whatever in the world we want to do on Monday. We got to start applying this stuff on Wednesday. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfect law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. Come on, I think we should clap and thank God for his word today. James says the only thing that has power to continually deliver us is the power of his word. So we receive his word with a sensitive spirit. I love children because each one of my kids is wired just a little bit differently. And my son Winston, my five-year-old, he's got a sensitive spirit. So last night, my wife and I, we were 
getting ready to go to a meeting and we're leaving the house. We'd already done the, you know, the bedtime stuff and the, the dinner and bath and all that. We're getting ready to leave and he sees I'm leaving and you could just see that sensitive spirit. Where are you going? I'm like, oh gosh, parent guilt. This is the worst guilt in the whole world. But I just love how sensitive his spirit is. James is saying the only way that you and I could really make it is by continually hearing God's word with a sensitive spirit. I wonder if you've become calloused to the power of God's word. You've become so familiar with how good God's word is that you're like, oh, heard it. Oh yeah, I know that one. Yeah, I've heard that before. Because if God's word loses its power to deliver you, it's not that the word lost power, it's that your heart lost its receptivity to the word of God. But when you got a sensitive spirit, I could be in the biggest test of my life. I've gone through some tests. How about you? Whenever I get through tests, it's only because I just stay in that mirror. Tell me who I am. Tell me how much you love me. Tell me how much you're for me. Tell me that I'm called. Tell me that I'm chosen. I know who I am. So when I'm in the test, it's like I'm good. I know who God says I am. If I'm in a temptation and my feelings are roaring and I feel like giving in, I need some mirror to tell me you're bigger, you're stronger. You're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You are not chosen to give in to sin. You can conquer sin. So I might be tested, and I might be tempted, but God turns me around so I can turn around with the power of his word to go out and accomplish what he's called me to do. Again, James's passion is, guys, we got to get out of Sunday, and we got to get into Thursday. And when you get into the word on Thursday, and you get in the word on Friday, and you look in the mirror on Saturday, I know who I am, and so I can go to accomplish what he's called me to do. But if you only look in the mirror once a week, you will forget who God says you are. I wonder if tomorrow you might get on some podcast, some Bible app, some devotional just to look in the mirror to see if you got anything in your teeth. Lest you go six days without looking in front of the mirror. You can't, you can't go through your test without a mirror. You can't overcome your temptation without a mirror. James says, tests are from God. Do you see the difference? This one, you can't bail out of. This one, he's saying, please bail out of. This one is meant for your good and your future. This one wants to murder everything that God has in store for you. This one is heaven sent and you shouldn't return it. This one is straight from the devil and even worse, you, and has to be put back in its place. Come on, anybody thankful tonight that we can look into the power of God's word and know who we are? Somebody clap right now and thank Jesus. I might be tested, I might be tempted, but God is for me and his word will endure forever. I'm here to tell you tonight, 
The grass may wither, the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord will last forever. His word is alive and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces the bone and the marrow, separates the soul and the spirit. It exposes us for who we really are. It says literally that we should meditate on the word of God day and night, that we may be careful to observe all that he has written in it, and then we will be prosperous and we will have good success. We only need the word in our life. Let's clap and thank God for the power and the authority of the scriptures. It is our daily bread.